Hello and welcome to Lost in Sci-Fi and Fantasy. I'm your host, Leo, and today is the 50th episode. Ain't that a neat thing? I It really does feel like um, I began this yesterday, but uh, no, it's it's been 50 episodes somehow. And for this episode, well, we're technically not doing anything quote-unquote special, because we've, we're kind of in the middle of an event. You know, it, it's just nice to kind of recognize that this has happened. <laughs> How nice. With that said, we are today talking about Shin Godzilla. Now, fun fact, this is also one of the earlier episodes I was thinking about doing. It's always been an episode that's just kind of been tumbling around. Because of the new Godzilla movie coming out, it just so happened to coincide nicely. Because this is the last movie that the director screened, although they screened the kind of modified version of this film being uh the the black and white one i think it's called the orthochromatic version which it's just it's just the same movie but in black and white and i'm curious to see that one to be honest i'm i'm curious if it helps mask some of the the cgi issues but we'll get into that later yeah i guess before we fully get started i do want to say thank you guys so much for uh listening and whatnot to these 50 episodes thank you guys for joining me on this weird journey that we've been going on where i just watch or play or read something and then talk to you guys about it because sci-fi and fantasy stuff get very weird a lot of the time and i just felt like i needed to help share some of these things. But anyway, let us uh, get, get on in. So my history with Shin Godzilla is a relatively si- simple-ish one, I guess. It's a movie that was kind of announced around the kind of resurgence of Godzilla. This being the first Japanese-made Godzilla in 12 years uh, at the time, of course. And it it was a big excitement you know? (laughs) At the time, I was very closely following the kind of buzz and discussion revolving around the American trade situation with Toho, and it it was interesting, because basically what, what happened, the creation of this film, was that part of the agreement with Legendary was that they wouldn't necessarily have exclusive rights. They would be allowed, you know, they they would be able to make their movies and have pretty much free-ish reign with a lot of approval needing to be made, of course, uh, because they didn't want to get burned again, <laughs> which, fair enough. Then, um, in the deal was also that they would also be making a Godzilla film that would come out about two years later. And... That is what Shin Godzilla was. So, uh, at the time, what was it? Um, Godzilla 2014, the legendary film, came out. And shortly after, was Shin Godzilla was kind of announced. And it was a, you know, a whole buzz about it. And I was very excited to see how it was. I enjoyed the 2014 American Godzilla, but it didn't quite have the same punch. And there was a lot of complaints about it and everything, you know. The fact that Godzilla was only in it for like five minutes or something like that. They used Godzilla very sparingly. But, you know, people were like, oh, you know, but there's the Shin Godzilla. And I really wanted to see it in theaters. But it was releasing the way that most anime movies release in America nowadays. Where it gets like three days in theaters. And in some theaters, just like one day. And that's it. You you get those few days, and then if you miss it, you miss it. So I had to wait for it to come out on Blu-ray. 
Eventually, it came out on Blu-ray, and I was able to watch it, and I loved it. In fact, as I've stated before, I wrote a college paper on Shin Godzilla, and that was a very interesting time in my life where I was able to do that three times. Uh, well, I was able to write on the original Godzilla three times, but mostly comparing the original Godzilla to other films. In one case, it was comparing original Godzilla and its messaging and kind of, you know, what it was a response to versus Shin Godzilla and what it was a response to. And its messaging. So, it was a good old fun time of me watching a bunch of Godzilla films. <laughs> and I'll be honest, when I first watched Shin Godzilla, I had a very similar feeling as to when I first watched original Godzilla of... Boy, this is jumping around a lot, and it's just moving at a breakneck pace. <laughs> jumping from scene to scene to scene. You know, they'll have a reaction in one area, and then it'll jump cut to the same characters in a different area. Uh, just walking, having a conversation <laughs> calmly about very dire situations. But that's kind of the point, is that it, it's supposed to feel jarring at times. And, yeah... <laughs> Anyway, that, that's kind of my history. I I did fall in love with the movie as well as the music of the movie, specifically two songs that I tend to listen to on repeat, which is Persecution of the Masses, which comes during Godzilla's first attack, and um, Who Will Know, which comes during Godzilla's atomic breath attack. Very beautiful pieces absolutely fantastic i would highly recommend that you give them a listen uh and yeah they just they're they're powerful orchestral pieces that really lend a weight to the scenes that are taking place and it's just mwah, i love it so good <laughs> there's of course other music as well that includes um kind of reusing classic Godzilla music that's been used in almost every film. Uh, I think in this specific instance, the version that they use, if I remember correctly from the soundtrack, is like Space Godzilla or um, something from outer space. It's it's an older version of like the military theme. You know, that one. Except for it's kind of mixed in with a, a different bit. From one of the other movies. I can't pinpoint which one though. I think it says in the soundtrack. Plus it does have a kind of slightly altered version of the original Godzilla theme. The one that goes. Dun, 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 dun. That one. Except for it's kind of shortened um, a little bit. And it starts kind of going into the main bit of the, the song. So it kind of feels like it... it, it it jars you a little bit when it when it does that. But yeah, so the story, the plot of Shin Godzilla. Um, well, the movie opens to the Japanese Coast Guard investigating a seemingly abandoned pleasure cruise vessel. So th there's like a, a yacht just kind of in Tokyo Bay that no one's on. They go in and it's very confusing. There's... The person who was supposed to be on it is just not there. There's some personal effects that have been left behind. And then all of a sudden, um, 
it cuts to the under un, i guess there's a tunnel that goes under tokyo bay i didn't know that this existed but i guess it does and what it is what happens is like it starts kind of leaking and then it just kind of collapses in with a huge red liquid coming in and then uh an explosion on the the surface happens uh, of, of the water then we cut to the uh, japanese prime minister's residence which i guess similar to the white house or does the uk have a similar thing i don't think the uk does uh, yeah they don't usually hold a ton of meetings at the was it downton abbey no not downton abbey what what is the prime minister's residence ah we'll we'll not focus on that <laughs> yeah so a lot of the stuff happens at the prime minister's residence that's kind of where at least the first half of the film kind of takes place and we follow one of the prime minister's aides yaguchi we follow him primarily. He, according to this, says he was the deputy chief cabinet secretary. <laughs> but I think that's a title that he ends up gaining later on in the film. But he, he's like one of the, the minor aides. He sits at what looks to be like the equivalent of the prime minister's cabinet uh, kitty table. Because <laughs> in the prime minister's room, there's the, the like main section with the prime minister and the other ministers. And then off to the side is like the table of aides where they just kind of sit there and they might offer things or they'll be trying to keep up with things uh, happening live to try to keep the prime minister up to date. So as footage from people being evacuated comes out, uh, Yaguchi sees a video that indicates that there might be something living in, in this eruption area. So in a prime minister's meeting, he just kind of casually throws out the idea that there might be a monster, like a, a giant marine creature in there. But the prime minister says nothing. <laughs> like they, they kind of quickly move on from that. He's pulled aside by um, his superior, I guess, slash friend, who tells him, hey, know, know, know your place kind of thing. Don't, don't rock the boat too hard. Which seems a little bit out of place, but overall it's pretty much just saying you probably shouldn't have spoken up during the meeting. And kind of keep your head down. So they decided to move it from the Prime Minister's office to a kind of more official press conference-y situation. So pretty much they just shift rooms. And there they are starting to make a, a bit more of a formal meeting of it and where minutes are being taken and everything. And Yaguchi decides to speak up again, suggesting that it might be a monster. And people say, <laughs> come on, this is not the place for jokes. You know, this is an official meeting. Minutes are being taken. Take this seriously. But then, very fast they're like oh the meeting has to be suspended turn on the tv they turn on the tv and well there's a monster tale so it turns out that this joke was probably not a joke <laughs> so what they do is they cancel that meeting move back into the prime minister's office and resume the discussion there as to what's happening what's going on they start trying to get people in to figure out what this creature is, what's it doing. They are also trying to formulate their response to what's going on to try to calm the people. And one suggestion, after they bring in... Uh, well, they bring in a team of a paleontologist, a marine biologist, and 
I think just a, nor- a normal biologist, like not super specified biologist, and they, they don't, they're not willing to make proper comments because they don't want to stake their career on whether or not this monster exists, even though it very much does. <laughs> they just can't confirm it. So after that meeting, the one of Yaguchi's kind of assistants suggests or friends know someone who might be able to help. They're not, you know, high up, but they should know their stuff. So they bring her in, and she bring, gives, like, a rundown that it, you know, it has legs, it's serpentine, it's doing this, so th- there's a good chance that it could end up coming on land. But then they get a report from someone else, don't know who, that says that it coming on land is unlikely because it won't be able to support its weight. She retaliates by saying it's already supporting its weight. But the report that they get says, oh, it shouldn't come on land. Um, Yaguchi's friend suggests to the Prime Minister that if you are going to make a statement, stick to the facts that are confirmed. Pretty much saying, don't tell them that it can't come on land. Just stick to the facts. And so far, he, like they start a uh, thing... A press conference and it's going fine so far but then he does say it can't come on land it won't it would get crushed under its own weight but then immediately a person comes up says sorry for the interruption and goes up to him and pretty much tells him it's on land and he's like it is so then there's this massive scramble to get more information and see what's going on as they see that, well, yeah, now it's, it's on land. So they start trying to figure out an attack plan, an evacuation plan. So they end up using a kind of... Because there's a lot of hesitation as to what they can and can't do um, due to this being the first use of the Japan Defense Force and whether or not they can use it under this circumstance and whether or not that would be in violation of a treaty, and whether or not they could, you know, try to get the U- United States' help and whatnot. Eventually, they give the Prime Minister the power to to enact... He, well, he enacts a state of emergency allowing the use of the Japan Defense Force. Um, and... You know, they mobilize. So they have the ground units trying to help with the evacuation. Then they send out helicopters to try and shoot the monster. Now, Godzilla at this time isn't like full Godzilla. Uh, in this movie, Godzilla actually is a self-evolving being that starts off, I'm guessing, relatively small. But grows in size. And we'll get to the full explanation of where Godzilla came from and how uh, later. But in this instance, Godzilla is like a, a legless or I guess armless lizard. So it has like a fish face gills that like spurt out this hot blood substance out of the gills. And he has two quite powerful legs that he pushes himself along with and 
kind of just scrapes through on its chest and goes through pushing through and causes a ton of destruction just as the helicopters are kind of arriving though he's he starts evolving and kind of adopts a more upright posture and grows some arms <laughs> like little tiny arms and is pushing through uh, well at this point kind of stops and the helicopters come in and are ready to fire they keep asking for permission up and down the chain and they're given the permission back up but then they have to hold their fire because it turns out not all civilians are evacuated so if they were to fire there would almost certainly be collateral damage so they ask for permission again down the line the prime minister says no so their attack is called off and at this point uh, Godzilla has a bit of a realization that you know the um, amount of energy it's using is going to overheat it so it quickly rushes back to Tokyo Bay and that's the end of that attack so now we kind of enter the calm period in the first after the first quarter of the film where you know there's a whole bunch of responses to the fact that you know the prime minister pretty much directly lied to the people's face to try to keep them calm and whatnot and so on and so forth but mostly at this point a plans put in place where a small group of people are put together to kind of study and properly um, act kind of with a bit of impunity to be able to cut through the red tape of bureaucracy that has that's really slowed them down and fucked their initial response. So this team is going through trying to get as much information as they can. Um, scientists come in from around the world to see what's going on. Um, and they're pretty much there for a very short period of time before it is dis dis determined that mm, things things aren't looking good. <laughs> pretty much what ends up happening is... Uh, I think it's at this point. Because they look and they see that, oh, Godzilla's evolving um, and had to regress, like de-evolve temporarily to go into the ocean to actually evolve. And the Americans kind of start talking about the potential of um, the potential of using nukes to deal with Godzilla, but that doesn't end up being a full situation until later, but they do start coming in to help. And it's a big discussion. Uh, where information's passed, uh, a representative from the United States who is da, 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 da. oh, that's a lot of <laughs> that's a lot of names. There's there's a lot of people in in this movie, and I'm just trying to figure out where. Okay, here it is. Yeah, special envoy for the President of the United States, Kyoko Ann Patterson. So she is a she's an American 
whose grandmother's from Japan, because she keeps saying, you know, the land of my grandmother. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so she's there as a representative trying to get information on Goro Maki, who is the person who owned the, like, pleasure vessel, the, the boat. And so she's seeking information about him so uh yaguchi goes and gets the information brings it back to her and pretty much says he's missing <laughs> that's all we fully know about him at this time and she gives the information saying that oh he he saw this coming pretty much and it's he called it godzilla and whatnot and it gives a lot of the similar backstory given in the original godzilla about Godzilla. And so we kind of follow as that happens. In the meantime, after they figure out that Godzilla is uh, nuclear. So the energy that he produces to keep himself going and you know sustained is like nuclear fission. So he's keeping himself together and alive through nuclear radiation and from the information that they were given from the americans uh it's because there was a lot of illegal dumping of nuclear material in the ocean uh some form of godzilla was feeding off of it and now this form of godzilla it's semi-implied that there's two different forms of godzilla kind of <laughs> like they, it was feeding on the material until it got used to the material but now there's it it, it's a big question mark, that part of it. But he's been feeding on the material, is, you know, able to self-sustain now, highly radioactive problems. Um, but they figure that there's a potential in turning off his cooling system because he uses his, like, um or the plates on his back to cool himself in this one and and so what they're looking to is a using a coagulant thing to stop his cooling and freeze him or see the way that they talk about it is that they're trying to stop his cooling system but it seems like they're more going to they're trying to actually stop the the reaction altogether to freeze him because that's what they end up doing is you know putting together this coagulant to freeze Godzilla but they need to get samples and whatnot and they were only able to get like one sample from this first attack the rest of the material was taken by the United States so they have to work with what they've got and try to figure out something so they send send off the information that they have to as many companies as they can to try to get stuff going. But otherwise, they're kind of SOL. Until Godzilla attacks again. And this is the big one. So the, they start pretty much redoing what they were doing except for with a little bit more focus this time. Sadly, their plan is not ready yet. Because they're developing it, but they they aren't ready to actually enact it. 
So they go for the attack plan. And the attack plan is, well, just shoot it a bunch. So they get the helicopters out there, they get a bunch of tanks, they get jets ready, and they're just kind of waiting. And, you know, once again, the orders come back up and down the line, and it's, they're given the go, all civilians should be out this time, so go. They try shooting it with a Gatling gun, doesn't work. They try shooting it with a more, like a heavier gun, it's like a 30 millimeter gun, doesn't work. So then they ask for authorization to use missiles. They're given full authorization. And they try missiles. Doesn't work. They try tanks. Doesn't work. So eventually they bring in drones and like much heavier bombs. And they drop them. And it, they think at first that it's doing something. But it it isn't. They end up having to call off the attack. And it's at this point that the discussion of like... Uh, United States interference is kind of brought up a bit more. In this case, it's them bringing in stealth bombers to assist in the the um, bombing of Godzilla using conventional bombs, but you know, bigger. So they they do they bring in uh, that, but it's much later as Godzilla's approaching Tokyo. A bunch of like proposed bombing plans come in. And so they just have to start mass evacuating the area. Because Godzilla is heading towards the Prime Minister's residence, they decide that it's time to... They need to get the Prime Minister out. Because there's a good chance that the Americans' attack might not work. Because theirs didn't, so why would the Americans necessarily? But they have to give it a shot. So they, they move on. Uh, everyone starts evacuating. It's kind of nighttime now as Godzilla's plodding through... And the American attack is early. I'm guess from what I can tell, not super early, but it is early. And but it hits, and they get confirmation that Godzilla is bleeding, and like a bunch of the material, like blood or whatever, does spill over, and Godzilla like tips over, but then starts glowing, and starts spewing f absolute fire everywhere. Which then condenses to a kind of like plasma beam that just cuts through anything. And it takes out a bomber. Then the two remaining bombers drop more bombs. And then Godzilla does an attack from from the plates in his back. And from his back in general, it looks like. And it's just kind of like shooting the bombs out with the lasers and taking out the bombers. And one of the stray beams ends up taking out the Prime Minister's helicopter. And it's just massive destruction. But at the expenditure of the the attack, this version of Godzilla's atomic breath, is so much that it puts Godzilla in a bit of a hibernation. So at this point they have to then monitor, see what's going on, and keep an eye on everything. And it's at this point that the discussion of using a nuke on Japan is in full fruition. The it pretty much becomes like that's their plan. Though the the researchers or the, the team 
is able to collect more samples from Godzilla and send them out to the places to figure out which specific coagulant would work best against Godzilla. They figure out which one it is. They start putting it into production. But now it's become a bit of a race... It's become a race against the clock because they now have to try and get, a, you know, it done before Japan gets nuked. Um, and there's, there's, you know, a whole lot of discussion about, you know, is this the right thing to do? Technically, part of the discussion that they talk about is the scrap and rebuild method. Because the way that a lot of the cabinet, the interim cabinet, because, you know, the prime minister died. So there's an, like a acting prime minister. The the way that they're looking at it is they're given two weeks to evacuate Tokyo, which is in no way enough time. But it's what they have to do. And the idea is nuke Tokyo, and then all of the like nations have signed on to assist in the rebuilding effort. So that's the scrap and rebuild. But, you know, no one wants to actually do this, so there's a massive rush to get this plan underway in order to freeze Godzilla instead. So they go through, and they, they have to figure out this sequence left by Goromaki, who, who left this sequence that the Americans had given them, and... And they have to figure it out, and they start folding it up, and eventually they get a supercomputer in, I think, Denmark? To uh, to run the sequence for them, and they get a solution. After checking the solution, they see that if they make a minor tweak to the coagulant, it would work. So they move forward with the coagulation plan, They, but they need more time, so they have to make a deal with France to try and have them petition on behalf of Japan to delay the nuke. And they are able to get that done. So the nuke gets delayed and the coagulation plan is put into effect. And it works. I mean, so the, the plan that they use is because Godzilla is starting to reawaken, which is why the nuke was about to be dropped, they, they have to pretty much force Godzilla awake now and expend all of his energy as fast as possible. So, with a combination of train bombs to wake Godzilla and drones to distract Godzilla or to force Godzilla to expend his energy, um, th that's what they intend. Is So, to force a use of the atomic breath to try to kind of re-put him in a state of hibernation or at least a state of weakness in order to administer the the coagulant and so they do and for the most part it works they they're able to do that and then they like topple a ton of buildings onto Godzilla and they're able to start administering the coagulant but Godzilla stirs again and 
destroys the first team. Then they send the rest of the train bombs to knock over Godzilla. He trips, falls, and then they're able to administer the rest of the coagulant. And at first it doesn't look like it's going to work. But then after he gets up and starts to move, he freezes solid. Then there's a whole thing about, you know, how the interim... Um, the acting... Uh, Prime Minister and his cabinet are going to fully resign and, you know, leave way for new people to hopefully, you know, get rid of some of the red tape that is made the situations like this um, possible. And, you know, it's kind of a, a blunt message, but not an unneeded one at times. <laughs> Because the basic message of the film is pretty much bureaucracy can cause a lot of harm and people sometimes are worse than the disaster that they're trying to tackle. Because of how slow they are to react, it ends up causing a lot more unnecessary damage because they're worried about how they're going to look or they're worried about how the people might react to a situation instead of, you know, how to fix the situation. So I I mentioned that I I wrote a college paper on on this movie. Specifically, it was comparing the messaging from the original Godzilla film to the messaging from this film. Now, the messaging of the original Godzilla film is focused around the use and holding of nuclear weapons as a deterrent and just the constant creation of new types of nuclear weapons you know being a massive issue and this film is more about how bureaucracy has held up the the ability to respond during disastrous situations in the specific case and i believe it's actually kind of mentioned in the movie the fukushima disaster it's at least uh referenced in the movie because Gordomaki's wife died of radiation exposure because japan was too slow to actually get people out of the way of the radiation caused by the uh, reactor meltdown. And so he kind of went on this crusade of something to discover um, something. It's very confusing his what he did in the movie to be honest he's not actually like a character or anything because it's implied he's dead at the beginning of the film and throughout the film you know he's declared just missing but it's heavily implied that he he probably killed himself and is he like went into the ocean it's also semi-implied that he might have triggered godzilla in order to to uh, test Japan, 
Because on his notes that he left in the yacht, it said, do as you wish. Which implied using nukes, just do whatever you wish, but essentially this is a test kind of thing. But yeah, it's it's a bit of a, a weird one there. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's that. The film is very good. Like I like its messaging. While while a lot of people might not enjoy the the peopleiness of it, all Godzilla movies have the peopleiness. Personally, for me, it's how fast paced a lot of the conversation goes. And honestly, the the subtitles can be a little bit annoying because the subtitles will come up. And you'll start reading it, and you'll be like, what? And it's because it's giving you, like, um, character names. It'll give you the character name, title, and potential... Sometimes it also gives you the location where it's happening, because the location will change a lot. And then it'll give you what they're saying. By the time you realize that you're just reading a person's title, you almost miss what they actually said. <laughs> Which gets a little bit frustrating on the subbed version. And the dubbed version, I accidentally started watching it and I stopped it. Because it felt like a lot of the the dialogue was kind of covering everything. Because they kind of have to scrub a lot of the, the audio. It just didn't feel right to, to watch it dubbed. <laughs> but yeah, it's... It's good. <laughs> like I said, it, it wears its messaging on its sleeve that, you know, a lot of our governments are run by old men who are very preoccupied with how they're going to look versus what's good for the people. And so th there's the... The messaging that we need to kind of shake up our political systems and whatnot to to smooth processes out. But it, basically, we need younger blood in in the political systems. But yeah. Anywho, <laughs> uh, yeah. So some flaws: the CGI on the first two phases that we see of Godzilla, which is technically phase two and three of Godzilla. Um, because phase one's like the, the tentacle thing, which I believe is actually technically just phase two's um, tail. I, I don't know. <laughs> but anywho, the, the phase two and three, the CGI is not great. Specifically Phase 2. Phase 2 looks like a, a late PS2, early PS3, like, boss monster. <laughs> like, like the, the CGI is rough. But Phase 4 Godzilla looks fantastic, honestly. Uh, there's some awkward moments when, like, he's flailing around at times. Or, like, moving at times where he looks a little bit jittery. But otherwise, he looks good. The beams and whatnot are awesome. The pacing of the story at times slows right down, but it picks up 
in a different kind of pace. You know, less action, more um, tense, political thriller-y action of them solving the case kind of thing. It It's still good. It's very interesting. And, yeah, there was... There's demand for a sequel, but Toho has stated many times that they are moving away from it because they wanted to move more in the direction of a shared monster verse similar to the legendary monster verse. Um, initially, when people were talking about a potential sequel to Shin Godzilla, they were hoping that it would be the next movie that they do. But when asked about it, the director said he didn't really want to do it. He wanted them to choose a different director, but um, said that they probably wouldn't let him uh, step away if they were going to do a, a sequel. But the kind of official statement was that they couldn't develop a new live-action Godzilla until after Godzilla vs. Kong or Kong versus Godzilla, whichever way the title goes for the uh, legendary version. And that ended up getting delayed. So there was this big issue of um, when and if they could do it uh, anyway. But then they again stated that they, they wanted to, instead of continuing where Shin Godzilla left off, they wanted to do a MonsterVerse situation where... They'll introduce Godzilla and monsters alongside. And that's where, supposedly, Godzilla Minus One technically steps in. Which was codenamed um, Blockbuster Monster Movie, which I love. That's hilarious. That They're like, yes, Blockbuster Monster Movie was the like working or running title um, or production title. For it until it got the title Godzilla Minus One. But yeah, so... It's... It's interesting. I, I, I'm i very interested to see if Godzilla Minus One does, like, imply sequels. This one, like Shin Godzilla did, at least, um... Basically, it implied that, at the end of it, that uh, there's a standing countdown timer not for Godzilla but in the event that Godzilla that Godzilla reawoke the countdown timer would resume at they said 3651 seconds or something like that until they launch a nuke and uh yeah interesting basically he said that he had to let them do that in order to keep the other countries calm about the fact that they they had a frozen Godzilla just sitting in the middle of their city. Then it also pans and shows uh, Godzilla's tail and how like humanoid Godzilla beings were like coming out of his tail. It's very interesting. You can see photos of them online. They're gross and cool looking. <laughs> uh, where it's very... Um, very aliens in design. It's, it's interesting. Very cool. Again, I recommend you you look at the pictures of them close up. And I do highly recommend you watch the movie. It is very good. But, yes. 
I'm looking forward to Godzilla minus one. That is going to be next week's episode. Uh, I have my tickets secured and everything. I'm going to go go watch it uh, Thursday. Not Thursday, Friday. Uh, and then I will record and put up the episode for Monday. Very excited. I'm. If this is part of Toho's plan for an expanded universe, I'm very excited to see what they do. And from what I've seen... Like, the CGI on the, their new Godzilla looks really good. And, yeah. But yeah, we'll we'll talk about that more next week after I've actually seen the film. As for what's been going on um, channel-wise, now that the first bout of holiday stuff has been kind of um, pushed off, I do plan on doing at least one or two streams this coming up week on YouTube. I'm going to hold off the Twitch stuff until after the new year, just to have like a fresh start there. Uh, but I'm actually going to do an introductory kind of like thing. Like, I know that I really should do Dark Souls, and I, I have everything laid out and planned for Dark Souls. I've gotten my computer to stop freaking out quite so much. So I should be good to stream soon. I just need to... See about setting up a couple of extra th bits. But yes, I do plan on doing Dark Souls. Uh, and I'm thinking about also doing a painting stream. Something a bit more calm. Something just to kind of relax to. I have a fake stone turtle. That's like a thing that you can you buy at like a garden center. Uh, to put in your garden. And I want to paint it to look at least semi-realistic. Like, like a turtle. Uh, I have some reference photos and whatnot that I'll I'll probably have up during the stream. And I think it'll just be a good old fun time to do. But yeah, with that said, that's, that's about that. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening or watching or whatever. Uh, if you listened to this on YouTube, feel free to give it a like, comment, subscribe. If you listen to it on any podcast catcher that you might have. Uh, feel free to rate and review it there, especially on Apple Podcasts or um, on Spotify. Anything helps, to be honest. Uh, share it with your friends. That also is a is a very good way to spread the message. But yes, with that, thank you guys so much for joining me, and I will talk to you guys next week. Goodbye.